the leopard just sat there, froze, didn't move a muscle looking at us. Then suddenly it dropped down on all fours on its belly and it crept along the ditch and out of sight. And everyone just looked at each other in disbelief thinking, wow, was that real what we just saw? You say, well, I've seen this big cat, and some people just flatly refuse. They think that Britain's such a sweet little island, we shouldn't have predators that size. I heard this growl behind me, nothing like a dog's growl. And just like anything else in life, you're sat on your own there. I don't care who you are, how brave you are. Something like that will put the shivers up your spine. As she was walking before the cub came out, she flicked this tail. She literally flicked it in the air. And I simply could not believe what I was seeing. It was the most extraordinary feeling. It threw its head back, he said, and it made this sort of round. But when you actually realize that there are big cats living in Britain, it changes everything. Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. Why are unofficial big cats being seen and could these cats even be naturalizing without us knowing? If you've had a big cat encounter in Britain and would like to discuss it, email me at rick at bigcatconversations.com. You can find other episodes on the website bigcatconversations.com. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of Big Cat Conversations. For this show, we are in deepest Lincolnshire, and we are going to hear about big cats that people encounter and what's been happening to some of the little cats, the farm and the feral cats in that same area. All of that's coming up in a moment, but before we get to Lincolnshire, we have a couple of update messages from the last two podcast editions. In episode 11 from Gateshead, we heard from Gareth. He mentioned that he was going to listen to puma screams on the web to compare them to when he and some work colleagues thought they were hearing a woman being attacked in northeast England. They frantically searched the area where the sounds were coming from, but they found nothing. Gareth has since found out from the podcast that one type of puma call, especially when the female is on heat, can sound like a woman in distress. Gareth reports that he's now listened to examples of those types of puma calls and that they could have been what he and his colleagues heard at that time, although he cannot say for sure. So that one remains a puzzle for him, but thanks to Gareth for letting us know. And in fact, we're going to hear more about those kinds of puma calls in a minute from Lincolnshire in this episode. In episode 12, just gone, we discuss links and the whole issue of rewilding. We mentioned the pioneering work at Ennerdale in Cumbria. In the show, we said that the Wild Ennerdale project is not considering having a trial with beavers in the area. But in fact, the Ennerdale project has just been in touch to say that they are about to undertake a feasibility study on beavers to look at the potential for bringing back beavers in that area. And they are having discussions already in the community about what would be involved. So, really interesting news from Ennerdale, and we wish them well with all of that work. Okay, time for our first Lincolnshire guest. 
and this is Wendy, and this interview was recorded in early November, just after the latest of several incidents that have happened during this year, 2019. So, Wendy, welcome, and thanks for coming on the show, and we look forward to hearing about these various goings-on. The very first time was in January. I was walking through the house. It was about one o'clock in the morning. I walked past the window. There's a little bit of moonlight out there. We have the farm and there's no lights. It's just the moonlight. And I thought, hmm, what's that? There's something up by the gate. And I wasn't sure what it was. And I just said to myself, oh, it's a black panther. You know, so I was mucking about with myself. And then I walked past and I thought, no, hang on a minute. And I went back and had a look and I thought, it is a black panther. <laughs> it made me laugh because I thought, you know, how funny that was. But then I thought, I must be seeing things. So I went to bed and thought no more of it. In April, I had some puppies due to be born in barns, so I was outside checking on them for several nights in a row before they were born, and I was out there at 2am each morning, and there was one morning, early April, before I came in the house, and there was this growl, uh, I must have about probably eight feet away from me, whoa, I thought, I'm going, I know what that is, I'm going, <laughs> I just leapt for the door and got inside as quickly as possible. When I thought about it afterwards, when I'd gone out there to look at the dog, there was no cats in the yard, and we had 39 cats at the time, feral cats on the farm. The whole yard was devoid of cats, and I thought, ooh, that, that was weird. Anyway, the following night, I had to go out there again, got my torch this time, went out there, looked had a good look round again, no cats out in the yard, and I thought, oh, it's a bit suspicious. So um, I went in the barn, and all the cats were in the barn, all of them. There was loads of that wall-to-wall fur in there. Um, I shut the door behind me, and then I heard the door rattle. And we've got a hole in the bottom of the barn door for the cats to come in and out after going into the barn to have their food. And this big face appeared in the actual hole, big green eyes. And I thought, oh, my God, I thought it was that thing from last night. And the torchlight lit the eyes up. And they're really big eyes as well, not like normal cats, quite big emerald eyes and I thought oh god if it lifts its head up it'll lift the latch and come in but then it went but I could see from the house lights a strip of light under the door I saw these great big paws going by so I thought hmm must be that thing that growled at me last night I still wasn't quite sure what I was seeing because it was like what I saw in January and what I heard the night before and then the cat coming near the door, I thought, it still makes you think, you know, you think you're going a bit round the twist. A few nights after that, I was in the back porch and there was a terrific commotion going on outside. I could hear cats screaming, cats meowing and hissing and there was a commotion in the bushes and I opened the door and started shouting and there was this, oh, terrible scream. I've never heard a scream like that in my life. And I thought, what the hell's going on there? And all the cats come flying in the house and all the hackles raised up. I think then I've been online and heard the sound of Puma makes and it was identical to that. So this is only feet away from me in the back garden. In the summertime, before this started, we had 39 feral cats, all different colours, but mainly tabby. And over the summer, a cat big cat came and took 17 cats over a period of days. We found one cat traumatised. There was a great big hole in its flank. The vet said it was too deep for a dog bite, and she suggested it was a burst abscess, but we had our suspicions about that. There was another cat with a bone sticking out of its back leg and all blood around its leg, which we tried to catch and couldn't, and it didn't ever see that again. Then I told Angela 
about this, what I've been seeing. And she said, oh, yes, she said, I've seen them. And she told me what she'd seen over the last few years. So you'll talk to her eventually. I also told Bridget, a friend down the road, and she said, oh, yes, she said, Paul, her gardener, he's been working in Boston and there's a farm there. The farmer said he's seen two black panthers there for the last four or five months in, in one of his fields. There's a copse near the farm where we hear the sounds of pumas screaming and we thought we heard cubs. It was not like a normal kitten sound. It came from across the field as well, so pretty sure that was puma or panther cubs. Then my husband saw the panther walking through the meadow and it went down the dike and a big long tail behind it. We heard of another neighbour that apparently shot a big cat that pounced on him from a tree. Oh, I don't know when that was, though, exactly. And he, he doesn't say anything about it other than he shot it. I didn't know what to say to people because I joined the big cat thing online on Facebook and there's so much scepticism about it. So the first thing most people said that night when they heard the growl was, did I get a photograph? I thought, no. The first thing I did was run. Done that to me loads of times, have you got a photograph? Or do you have a dash cam? Or do you have trail cameras in the in the trees? No, I haven't got any of those things because all the time, although it's happening and, you, and I've seen it, it still makes you think you might be imagining things. We had a big firework party on Saturday night and I was talking to people about the panther and then I drove back to my place. And it, again, it was about midnight time. I have several dogs, but this particular, I took one out on the lead because he's a little black dog and he's a puppy and the other one was running about loose now they always chase cats they always do they think it's fun but that night i looked from the torch and i see this animal at the top of the drive say we're about 30 40 feet away from each other i could see by the size of it that it wasn't a normal badger or cat or anything from the height from where the eyes were and the eyes again big green eyes and i thought hmm that's familiar and i stood there looking at it and it stood looking at me, and then I went, made that kind of sound, and it started to walk towards me. And at that point, the dog, like both dogs, the little dog started to growl because he wanted to protect me, and the big dog, she just legged it, she just ran. <laughs> she went and hid, and then it jumped. It was unusual, and I thought, this is something else. This is not a normal cat, and this is not a badger, because they've rounded up badgers and brought them to me in the past. They're collies. It wasn't normal behaviour for either of them. The little one was ready to have a go. That was the most recent thing. I can only go by what I saw through the barn door that day, the big green eyes, and the height the eyes were in relation to a small cat on the ground and how high these eyes were up in... It was a very dark night, and my torchlight caught the eyes and then it started talking it wasn't walking towards me it wasn't worried i think it was the sound that i was making it probably sounded like a rat it was upwind it jumped into the garden into the long grass in the garden and at that point i went in the house i thought mm, i don't know where it is now i missed out another thing about nine ten weeks ago i was driving from this house to the farm which is about half a mile and a puma jumped from the field to my left onto the road and then jumped into the corn on my right. So that was the best sighting that I've actually had. And I thought, wow, a puma, that's what it is. That was wonderful. It was midnight, my headlights caught it. And I thought, well, that's excellent because now I know that I'm not going mad. It was very quick, but it was easy to spot because it jumped from 
the, to my left, it would jump from a field into the road, and then it kind of didn't even linger. It just bounced straight off into the next field. So it's only seconds, but you can see the whole body. Oh, it was just really graceful the way it did it. And I thought, hmm, and at least I know I'm not going crazy now. I see that the body was light and that the end of the tail was darker and I didn't really see the face exactly, but probably four or five feet long, I would say, in the body and the tail following it. But it was just lovely. And I thought, well, I just loved it because I thought, that's it. You know, I'm not going mad. And all the things that I have heard and seen over the last year, it's definitely been humour, maybe a panther as well. I don't know. Other people have seen panthers, black panthers. But this was the humour. To me, I just associated with the puma because of the screams as well. It sounds like a woman being raped in the field, in the trees, sorry. And then what other people have said, they've seen black panthers. Angela's going to give you a good story. She's seen it really close. I lost 17 cats over those period of weeks, and they were mainly tabby cats that went. They didn't seem to touch the white cats. We lost a couple of black ones, but mainly just tabbies, and they're always feral cats. And the I learned after a while that when the cats weren't in the yard, there was something around. When that yard is empty of cats, I know there's something out there. Usually it's like water wall fur, as I mentioned before, but there's a lot of feral cats. We have got the numbers down in the past. We've had many neutered, but people are always dumping cats on me for one reason or another. I must think I like cats, which I do, but not that many cats. Anyway, uh, besides the point, we had 39. Now we have 17 missing they are tabby cats. I can only assume that the panther or puma thinks they're rabbits because they're the same kind of colour. I don't know. Surely he knows what he's eating. But it's always night time when they go. And they look spooked. That night when I was in the back porch and those cats were hissing and growling and something was screaming and there was a big commotion going on. But I do believe the puma was taking the cat. I do. After a while I started thinking people should know about this really for children's sake they should know so I thought I'd go around and tell a few people but they just laughed at me you know I said well look I've told you I've seen it and it's here and the best you can do is believe me because you've got children you don't want them wandering around at night they kind of smirked and they didn't believe me it's annoying I can't say they're doing any damage I haven't heard of them attacking any people apart from cats they like the rabbits and deer and whatever. Chickens, they're going missing. Someone up the road here keeps saying that something's taking her chickens regularly. It's not breaking the fence down and it's not a fox because a fox will bite their heads off and leave everything. But of course a panther will go up the tree and go down the other side, wouldn't it? It was only mere feet away where I saw the puma jump onto the road where this, these chickens are. In terms of the colony of cats, do you think they're more cautious and alert at the moment? They used to be wandering around happily, but now they're always looking on the alert and sniffing the air, so they know something's up. Interesting, yeah. OK, and um, you formed your own Facebook group, didn't you, out, out of the frustration? Yeah. I did. I did, because I got so many people asking stupid questions like, you know, digitate a photograph and not believe me. I thought, no, I'm going to open the Facebook group it's called uh, Big Cat Believers Only, and the only <laughs> in big capital letters. I thought, anyone goes in there and starts saying they don't believe somebody that's seen one, I'm just going to ban them without even... <laughs> and I said from the, right in the beginning, anyone, any sceptics, you're out. You know, I'm not having it. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd admit that people do make mistakes. I mean, some of the things that get 
into local newspapers that people claim are big cats are clearly feral domestic sized cats that, that's the problem isn't it so you can understand why some people are skeptics yeah I, I can but if someone's seen it and they've got good information how they've seen it and what it's like and they thoroughly believe it and no one's believing them it's really frustrating and I thought no there needs to be a place for these people to actually talk and have the courage to go in there and know they're going to be believed rather than yeah. be branded like they've been drinking or why didn't you get a picture? I mean, even if you get a picture, like you get a picture and it's grainy, they still pull it apart. Yeah. Well, what if you'd had a dash cam the, the night you saw the puma jumping across the road? Um, had you had a dash cam on your car, would you have got a decent image of it, do you think? I would have got a good picture. Yeah, I would, but I don't have one. Um... I don't know why I haven't got one. I should have one, really, shouldn't I? I'll make a confession. I don't. People are amazed, but that's because I think the chances of me driving in front of one are remote, even though I'm always following sightings up. If it happens to me, I'll be very frustrated, but I I just don't... I think the chances are so so remote, but... Mm, you never know, do you? Yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe I should. I am th- I am rethinking it, but... Uh... Yeah, well, I think we all should now. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking to a policeman at some point and he said he'd, he saw one in Lincoln some years back near the deer park in Lincoln yeah just crossing the road in front of him and he thought he'd been up too long so yeah, yeah. they've been about for a while but yeah Lincolnshire's had good sightings over the years certainly I mean it's a very flat horticultural and agricultural landscape isn't it that hides lots of deer and rats and mice and small mammals that a cat can prey on so there's plenty of food yeah. and actually there's probably more cover than we imagine when you suddenly see all kinds of things you miss otherwise so i worry about them really because i think the more people that do know about them they're going to go out hunting them and you think is it a good thing or a bad thing that they're here amongst us yes that's the dilemma isn't it that's another reason why we have the podcast to help sort of talk it through and when i give talks and you know i sometimes give talks with other people including frank my friend here in gloucestershire frank tunbridge often the talks just become a discussion and people are just turning over that what you've just said you know is it good or bad Mm -hmm. and what are the implications and but as you said, you don't know any experiences of them misbehaving. Uh, other, well, some people, of course, would be very concerned if they're getting domestic cats routinely. Yeah, they would be, wouldn't they? I don't know if they're taking anybody's domestic cats. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I've got cats outside now. They've got a shed to go in if they need cover. But they're quite happy out there. They don't seem to be afraid, these ones, anyway, yet. Yes. It's because I'm only half a mile from where I've seen majority of the sightings and sounds but except for the one that was here on Saturday night which I'm okay I'm a little bit skeptical that it was a cat but going by the dog's reaction more than anything they would chase anything those particular dogs yes. and they didn't and Sandy was so frightened and she ran and she froze first off she she sniffed the air and then she just legged it and I thought oh she could see it, because I could see it at that point. She didn't investigate or anything. She just ran. Well, I, I stood really quiet and still, and the, and the dog beside me was just beginning to sort of just woof a little bit, and then he started growling. He's having a little jack of shit's poo thing. And uh, when I, I thought, well, I'll make this sound and see if it comes down the drive and then it started to walk towards me and I thought hmm. he can see that there's animals here or some description and he whether he can see me or not I don't know he's coming by yes. the sound I think it was only when we started to growl that he realized it wasn't what he maybe thought it was and he jumped into the long grass 
Have you spoken to local farmers and other lo- and landowners? I spoke to the local farmers that, again, just laughed at me. Yeah, some of them have seen them. <laughs> I'm wondering, have they seen them? But they don't want anyone else to know that. Angela, who we're going to hear from next, will verify that. That um, certainly some I know, you know, most of them kept don't quiet. want don't want it out. You know, they they want it kept. Because they don't, they just don't want the interference and the hassle and the fuss, and I can quite understand that. I think we'd all be the well, same. Probably people will be traipsing all over their fields. I mean, they have, they have a hunt here every year, and they're supposed to lay a, a human trail, aren't they now? But there was over 50 hounds running about in the crops, and I thought, well, who? if you're going to lay a trail, why would you do it amongst all the crops? They, all the crops are getting smashed down by the hounds and yeah. the horses now. But that made me wonder as well what they're on the trail of, because <laughs> that was, wasn't very far away from the crops where we hear this screaming going on. It's puma. You've hinted at your views, but can I ask you the question straight, Wendy? What do you think about big cats living wild in Britain in general? I think about it sometimes. I try to bury my head in the sand, I think, because you don't know what to think. I feel like they're in the wrong place. I feel like they're in the wrong country for the first thing. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you say that, but, I mean, Britain's had a history of... Uh, a predatory cat taking deer. You know, our ecosystem needs a deer killer. These are deer killers. The Eurasian lynx, which is our native cat, was a deer killer. Yeah, but you, you still so, feel, I still feel they're in the wrong country. I heard there was about 250 across the UK. Well, I personally think that there's 250 of the black ones, 250 of the puma type, because that's based on the fact that if there were less than 250 of, of each of the types of cats people see... There would be inbreeding, mm, uh, and you'd notice the inbreeding. Now, we do get reports of inbreeding, to be honest, of ones that have an individual that would appear to have genetic disorders, but very few of them are like that. Most of them are fit, healthy, confident cats. So, in my view, therefore, the, the population is big enough for gene diversity, which would be 250-plus at least. Right, OK. Across yeah. the whole of Britain, that's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, if they were in Africa, you would expect to see them, and every. I'm talking about local people. You know what animals you have in your locality. You don't expect big cats. And if you've got them and they don't know about them, then you have to ask yourself, should they know about them for their children's sake? Or should we just leave well alone and let the animals get on with it? Mm. I'm in the camp which is about letting it come out slowly so people can attune themselves to it all if they want to. And a bit like you did, Wendy, you said to them, I've explained to you that I think there's big cats out there. If you don't want to believe me, fine, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you I think there are. So planting the seed, it's up it? to them, isn't it, to make that judgment? Yeah, you're planting the seed yeah, and you're telling yeah. them that they're there and it's up to them to accept it. But when they start laughing, you desperately want them to see it, and then they think, "Oh, she was right." But then you don't want them to see it because yes. you you could scare them. <laughs> yes, no, you can't win. You can't win. No. Yeah, exactly. But, and some people, of course, don't tell anybody because they're worried about the um, the welfare of the cats. They think if they tell people, then it will rebound on the cats eventually. It's, I mean, there's plenty of lampers around. There, there will always be someone that goes out and hunts them, but. I'm just worried about children in neighbourhoods. Yes. And there's yeah. quite a lot of them. I've got big families and they wander all over the place. I think they should know. Luckily, it is very rare for these cats, pumas in America and leopards in Asia. I think our leopards are from Asia. Um, the, 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 the black ones, um, Malay Peninsula and, and Java is where the key, the key sort of refuges of um, black leopards are. It's very rare for them to take children 
in those countries. You know, it's not, mm, it's not a habitual thing they do. But they've evolved to prey on deer, deer-like species or, or animals like deer, wild ungulates like deer, and then smaller prey if they need to. Rabbits, as you were saying, but also uh, feral cats, I guess. And, and also maybe not everyone, not every individual big cat would decide to go for the colony of feral cats. I think it's that one mm-hmm. has probably got the knack for it so it's going back for more because it knows how to do it because it could be they could they could injure themselves a big cat could injure themselves if they don't get it right snuffling a little cat they could get a nasty scratch on the snout or the eye damage or whatever so it is a risk going for a a a smaller cat Mm, it is but supposing some child did get injured Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It did did happen. And then they found out that I knew and I didn't say anything. That's where you wonder whether you're doing the right thing. Yeah, sure. No, I understand the moral dilemma that anybody has. And I know other people have done exactly the same as you have done. And, you know, they'll Mm. be on the Some people have been on the podcast like that and and others will be in the future. So it it is very difficult. And I mean, it's one of the reasons I give talks. A a pub or a community hall or whatever puts up a poster and people can see there is a talk on big cat sightings in the neighbourhood and they can decide whether they think that's rubbish or whether it's worth coming to and discussing or not. So. That's another way of doing it, letting it out slowly and gradually, and people can make their own minds up whether they want to engage with it or not. That's true. These people would be hearing about it a bit more. Yeah. Or if they did a talk in schools even, but without frightening the kids. Yes, I have been asked that. Yeah, I've done one talk in school and uh, with, with parental consent, because, again, some parents would mm-hmm. not want their children to, to you know, they'd feel that you know, they wouldn't want their children exposed to that. I think you point to the real dilemmas of the subject, yeah. Yeah. Before we close, Wendy, anything else you want to say that you don't think we've covered? No, I think that's that's all that there is. Um, I mean, I used to do a lot of stargazing once, but I, I tend to stay in at night now. I am a bit nervous of it. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to encounter. They're beautiful animals and... Maybe they do deserve to be here, but I just don't know enough about them to know. I don't know about their behaviour. I don't know what they would be like if they came across me. Like the other night wasn't too bad because I was right near my house. I knew I could escape. But if I was out walking out in the fields with no cover and I came across one, yeah, I don't know what to say. So you're on your guard and you're a bit on edge, yeah. I, I do understand that. I think what I would say, there's no right or wrong and there's no definitive message that anybody can say because any incident breaks any rules, of course. But they don't no. proactively seek out humans normally unless they're stressed, unless there's a reason to. They don't regard us as part of their menu and part of their normal prey. Mm-hmm. I think we would have to invite them on, if you like, if they were going to tackle us and, and we would have to start the fight. Also, of course, they are very concerned about getting injured so that's why they tackle what they know because they can't risk getting injured and also if one is around and you knew it was taking an interest in you I think the key thing to do is to show it that you would injure it Mm. and certainly not look meek or look like you could be prey if you start submitting in any way and showing submission they see you as prey so don't act like prey act like something that's going to fight back and hurt it but (laughs) of course yeah yeah Yeah, but that, I mean, yeah, I hear what you say, and I would ordinarily believe all that yeah. if I hadn't have heard that one growl so close to me at night, and that was menacing. But that was because you were by its food source, do you think? Mm, I know I was, but yeah. I didn't know that at the time, and it's not something you, you think you're going to hear when you're walking across your farmyard at two in the morning, sure. you know. 
quite understand. I've had other people have it in their domestic gardens when they live close to woodlands and forests and open land, and it's it's really freaked them and uh, worried them, certainly. Sometimes they've seen the cat and sometimes they haven't, but they've assumed it was the cat. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have any doubt in my mind. Yeah. Although I'd only seen it in January through the window and only a few feet away and convinced myself I was seeing things in April time when I hear it again, when I hear it rather, right beside me. Mm. And it all came together and I thought, I know what that is. And I just, just went and just begged it. I thought, go in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not standing around and looking or taking the photograph. Smile, please. No. <laughs> well, it touches the emotions in a different way. It's not abstract for you. It's you've had a warning growl and that will influence your attitude. I've, I can quite understand. If I hear any more, I'll see any more. I'll let you know. And, yes, um, yes, be good to keep in touch. And uh, uh, do you welcome people joining your Facebook group um, if people want to? Yeah, I do. I don't man it so much these days. I've, since I've moved, I've got things to do, but I will be going back in there again shortly. And I think there's quite a lot of my members. I'm always approving people. So I need to go in and just have make sure they're all behaving themselves. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, someone uh, put a video on there the other night. Uh, a lot of people complained about it, and I said, should I take it off? It was a video of a, a leopard attacking a dog in an apartment block as well. Yes, that's been doing the rounds. Isn't it remarkable how patient that leopard was and how the dog was in a deep sleep at that point and was completely unaware? But I would wager that that leopard in particular is skilled at taking feral dogs in the outdoors in that part of wherever it was it was it somewhere in india and so not every leopard is going to be doing that everywhere that one knows how to get a dog quickly without being injured and so it's looking for dogs now we don't have dogs out in kennels outside much in britain I think if we did, you know, we would get more dog attacks like that. Yeah, there's not so many stray dogs around like there used to be. Yeah, is. I mean, yeah. years ago they were everywhere, weren't they? And our own dogs are all tucked up in bed at nights, and there's enough deer for the for the for our cats, for the big cats. Yeah, yeah. it really does. Um, it's tough to watch mm-hmm. that. It is. It really hurt me. I thought, oh, that poor dog, he was sound asleep, and that happened. Apparently, it didn't die. They it got saved. So that was good. But I bet it's traumatized. Yeah. One final question, Wendy. Would you like to see the big cat again? I'd like to see it in daylight. And mm-hmm. I will get a dash cam. But I, I would really like to see it in daylight because I think they are lovely, really. Yeah. And, and perhaps not as close as Andrew yeah. did. Just to see it. Through the car, through the car yeah, window. that'd be perhaps. good. Yeah. Through the car window where I'm safe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, on your own terms. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great. But, yeah, that's what I would do. Um, but... I was always convinced it was a black panther until I saw the puma. I'm not sure now whether it's just the puma that I've been seeing or whether there is the black panther as well in my particular area. I do know that the black panthers are at Boston Way, but I don't know if it's the same ones in my area. At least now I know it's a puma. Got you. Fine. Well, that's very helpful, Wendy, and we look forward to talking to Angela next and comparing things. But uh, thank you very much indeed, and I'll certainly keep in touch. Yeah, thank you for calling. Nice to meet a believer. (laughs) Right, Okay. (laughs) fine. Thank you. Okay, a brief break now for our word of the week. And the word of the week for this episode is feral. About time we did that word. It applies to wild animals, of course, but in particular, it means reverting to a wild state, especially after domestication or captivity. And it also means animals which are not controlled by anyone. 
These definitions certainly seem pretty apt for our large cats here in Britain, as they appear to be living wild after release or escape from captivity. And of course, we never know how many generations on these wild cats are from their originally released state. As well as feral, we might also use the word naturalised to describe the large cat seen in Britain. And we will discuss naturalised and the full sense of what naturalised means in a future show. In terms of understanding the small feral cats we have in Britain, we probably have a gradation from the more wild feral cats to farm cats to stray cats, and the boundaries of those will sometimes be loose, I suspect. The organisation Cats Protection estimates that there are 9 million stray cats and about 1.5 million feral cats in the UK. And these feral cats are much more wild than strays and farm cats, and feral cats will usually flee from people and they live independently from humans. Feral cats can form colonies in places where there is a common food source. And in feral cat colonies, kittens may often be nursed and suckled by more than one lactating queen. And this can help in the formation of social bonds at a young age. And this socialisation in feral cats makes them the closest of any cats to prides of lions. Now Wendy, who we've just heard from in Lincolnshire, had both feral cats and more tame farm cats at her barn. She noticed that the cats she felt were predated by the puma were all ferals in that colony in the barn. Wendy noticed that the farm cats would hide in the barn and would not be outside when they sensed the puma was about, and none of those farm cats were actually predated. So thanks, Wendy, for that very interesting observation. We will no doubt mention feral cats again in future episodes and all the issues that they present. But for now, that's our word of the week, feral. Okay, well, our second guest is also from rural Lincolnshire, and I want to welcome Angela. And she is about 12 miles away from Wendy's location, but they have chatted about their mutual experience in big cats. Angela has been having sightings, which she'll explain in a minute, for about 10 years. They finished in the last one was 2016. So, Angela, many thanks for coming on the show. And I know you haven't listened to the podcast yet, and I know you've also had to suffer signal problems. So, you're out in the garden in the cold November morning. So thanks for bearing with us. We're really grateful for you coming on, Angela. You're welcome. (laughs) Great. Can we hear about your very first sighting? And I presume at this time you knew nothing about big cats being in the wild in Britain, so this must have been quite a surprise. But can you tell us all about the night when you had two sightings, I believe? I did actually know because I'd seen it on the telly, but I didn't know that I was coming to live where the actual news item was very close by. That happened in the village. The first time that I saw one, I was on my way to work and I was a bit late. So I was cleaning my teeth and going slowly and I saw this large cat It was about as big as a a springer spaniel and it walked across the road in front of me and it put its paw, one of its back paws, in a paw and how cats shake the legs when they've got wet on the paws. That's just what it did, so I knew that it was a cat. Not far away, about a quarter of a mile down the road. Okay. On the way back from work, which was the early hours of the morning, 
I saw Mummy and she was huge. She had a big head. I didn't get a full body look at her, but the head, shoulders and front legs. And this cat was far bigger than the spaniel size one I'd seen earlier. Both of them black, would you say? Yeah, definitely black, both of them. Would you say they were replicas? They were the same animal, different sizes? Yeah, so I would, yeah. Same animal, definitely. Yeah. Anything about the description that you could point to? On the young one, I saw the tail was as long as the body. It was quite a long tail, and it was more or less the same thickness from the base to the end. It only tapered off very slowly. It was quite a thick tail. What were they doing, do you think? What was their behaviour? Uh, the first one, it, it was just crossing the road and it wasn't out hunting or anything like that. It was probably just following its mum who was in front somewhere that mm. uh, I didn't see because it was dark on the way to work. The larger one, when I was coming home, it was just stood watching as I was going by. Gosh. It wasn't doing anything, yeah. just just watching, stood, like, just out at bushes. Yeah. Did you see eye shine on either of them? The eyes, it wasn't a full-on, because it was at the side of the road and I was going straight up. The eyes was a, a green colour. How did you feel after those events? It made me feel happy that I'd seen them. <laughs> OK, yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't scare me or anything like that. I felt privileged because I'd seen them. Yes. Do you walk a dog locally in that area? Yes, I've got several dogs and I'm walking all the time. And often I've looked behind and they've gone into the, the rape, which is quite tall in summer. And I thought, is that the cat or is it a deer? Just seeing like glimpses. So you're on but, alert? Yes, definitely alert and aware of it being out there when I'm taking my dogs for a walk because I do like to take a walk in the dark. Yeah. Does that bug you, Angela, or do you just sort of feel, well, you know, this is part of my life, there may be a big cat around at any time and I just have to get on with it and live with it? How do you feel about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's just how I feel. You know, it, it doesn't be one little bit. Okay. I think it's nice that they're out there. I wish that on one of the other occasions that I definitely saw the cat. I wish that I'd got my camera because that would have been proof for everybody because it was just such a good picture. It was in the daytime. It was a lovely day. It was after the end of August, beginning of September, because the, the wheat had been cut in the field. And I was taking my dogs for a walk. I just got across the road and I saw this dark shape. And as I got closer, it didn't, wasn't bothered about me at all. It was just laid there, sunning itself. And I thought, OK, let's go back. <laughs> and I took the dogs back. But I had, at that time, I hadn't got a camera, phone or anything. So I just couldn't take pictures of it. Yeah. At that situation, was it aware of you and just kept on lying there? As far as I know it was. Yeah. I mean, I was in full view. It wasn't that far away from me. And I just got away from it as quickly and as calmly as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
How would you describe that one as you were able to see it fully in the daytime? What, what were the key th- no, well, things that stood out? It was definitely an adult. It was big. It was like the second fighting that I had, uh, you know, the, the size that I saw of that animal. It was definitely big. How would you describe the fur and the colour and the form? Yes, it, it was black, just dark black. I didn't see any markings or anything like that. It was just like all black that I could see. But of course, with me having the dogs, I just had to get out of there quickly without sort of staring at it and uh, yeah. having a good look. Yeah. So what size compared to a, a Labrador or a German Shepherd or something, what size would you say it was? Well, I would say I'm five foot six, and I reckon its back would be sort of hip size. Also, it was the same size as the one that my son and I saw. We was coming home late one night. We'd been visiting friends, and it was quite late, and there was a diversion, so we didn't come home the usual way. And at the bottom of the paddock, there was stood this big cat and I would say that the second, third and fourth were all the same size. What was your son's reaction? <laughs> he, he was quite, he looked at me and, and he, he like, his eyes and his mouth was open and he said, Mum, did you see that? <laughs> I said, yeah. <laughs> there was one friend that I had who didn't believe and he came into the house his uh, girlfriend was already in the house with us and we'd come in a different vehicle. And he came in and he was white. And his, his girlfriend said to him, what's wrong? What's up with you? He said, I've just seen that cat. <laughs> <laughs> and he did not believe and he was in shock. <laughs> uh, but you didn't gloat about it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> as tempted no, as you might I, have I been. I did in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've had a total of four or more sightings then? I've had four definite sightings, which I've just mentioned. The, the little one, yeah. the one when I was coming out from work at the bottom of the paddock and then across the field. What about the dog's reactions? Do you notice any change in dog behaviour when it's around, when you've seen it? No, I've I've never noticed any difference in their behaviour at all. Do you think that's because they haven't sensed it like you have or just haven't looked in the right direction or wind direction hasn't been correct for them? Probably because um, they were Springer Spaniels and they're more interested in running around the fields rather than... <laughs> OK. Yeah, they're hyper a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I, I wouldn't know any difference anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they're so energetic, aren't they, that they might bump into it one day, but I guess they'd quickly retreat very fast as well. Yeah, I have thought about that sort of thing. Nothing like that's ever happened. It's a keep away from them anyway, because I've got quite a few dogs. OK. How would you feel if you lost a dog to the cat, do you think? Uh, I would be devastated because my dogs are my family. Would it change your attitude towards the cats? No, no. It's a wild animal and it's nature, isn't it? Okay. yeah, interesting. Why do you think there are cats around the area? Do you think there's a lot of deer and rabbits that interest them there? Is that why they're present sometimes? I think they're originally here because people have bought them and... 
when they've got too big or even when the laws have changed about having animals like that because there's so many rules and I, th- I think they've just let them go. I think they're, they're round here because we have got deer, hares, rabbits. There, there is a lot of wildlife that can keep them going, you know, yes. especially the deer. I mean, there's loads of deer. I took a picture of four deer just a few days ago. And presumably, although Lincolnshire can be quite a barren, open landscape, can't it? Presumably the height of the crops give them cover uh, and there's enough other cover in the wintertime for their territory. Yes, through summer, I should imagine it's a lot easier for animals to get about because uh, there's so much cover when the rate's high because there's a lot of rape around here. Also, the farmers have got areas that they've got trees, you know, they've just left like a field to go wild and trees have grown and they have the pheasants in there as well yeah okay so they've got rich pickings in those kinds of areas as well yeah 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 have you detected any other signs of it like any droppings or any sounds or have all your encounters been just visual ones Yes. When I saw that young one crossing the road, I did go down the road the next day to see if I could see any footprints. But I couldn't say exactly where it was, Mm. and I never found any. Yeah. You've never heard any calls, any sounds? You never had warning coughs and grunts at you? No, no. Do you talk to local people about it much? Have you gauged other people's views and attitudes towards these cats? When I first moved to Lincolnshire, one of the local farmers, he'd seen it and he he says that he's not a very good sleeper and he was looking through his bedroom window during the night and he says everything was silent because they have lots of birds and it was around that time, you know, Christmas time, they have Christmas birds. And he says he he saw the panther just strolling through his yard. But like he says, there, there was there was not a sound. Mm. I don't think he was bothered about it. Uh, he spoke about that news item that where they videoed the cat in the school playground. Yeah. And it was round about that time as well that he saw the panther. I don't think he's seen it since. Yes. He's not said. Yes, he didn't seem to be in a grumpy mood about it, though. No, because it had been videoed, there was a lot of people asking questions about it. Yeah. Obviously, news people had been around and and they asked Paul if he wanted to say anything about it. It's sighted and he he didn't say anything. Yeah, he kept his head down. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people do, don't they? Yeah. Presumably you don't talk about it much, depending on the company. It wasn't until Wendy yeah. had seen the cat and said that and she, we were driving along and she just suddenly asked me about if I'd ever heard about these big cats in Lincolnshire. And I said, yes, I've seen them. And yeah. then I, I told her, <laughs> you know what I'd seen. Yeah. <laughs> I've known Wendy a very long time. So total coincidence. And of course, all her, yours have been, in previous years, all hers have been, I think, in within 2019, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The final question from me is, how do you feel in general about big cats being in the wild in Britain? Because as you'll know, they are sighted elsewhere. The podcast episodes are coming from all across Britain. So people having similar encounters elsewhere. What do you feel about all that? 
Well, I think it. I like it. My feeling is that it, it's nice to have them, for them to be out there and surviving. Yes. Because it, they've got to be surviving for how long they've been about. Oh, yes. And they've yeah. got to be breeding as well. So I think it's nice. Yeah. In what way is it nice? Just sort of the fact that you like you think it's wild nature, which is good for us. Yeah, I sort of keep it as a, a privilege that I've seen them because not many people have. Mm. That's probably why I don't talk about it much. Yes. Sometimes people see them when they're being quite feisty and aggressive, you know, looking like they're stalking deer, and sometimes people have seen them after deer, or they snarled in through the car windscreen. And so people, you can understand maybe that people might, you know, a little bit on edge, thinking, wow, that can get angry and is fierce and is, you know, <laughs> could see me off. Whereas you've seen them in a more passive mood, presuming more passive behaviour, so that might influence your attitude. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how because I like deer as well and I don't know you know if, if I saw it chasing deer but, I suppose I'd be a bit timid about that yeah but, if you come across a deer carcass they can be pretty striking you know when you see a, a half-eaten deer that a big predator's tackled it is quite a quite an experience I mean if it's if the food for for the cats then that because i see quite a few deer that are being killed by cars yeah and i've actually brought a deer carcass home for dogs oh <laughs> uh, yeah why not yeah rather than it go to waste i quite agree yeah venison's good meat isn't it what about if you felt that the cats were misbehaving and they were causing bother or you met farmers that had some livestock damage what would you feel about that just playing devil's advocate. I don't know, because no animal can, can do bad things. They're just out to survive, aren't they? Mm. It's just their way of survival. And I do understand, you know, when, when people have got, say, sheep and they go missing, it's their livelihood. Mm. Yes, I mean, luckily, we don't seem to have too much of that. Well, it's it's interesting that you and Wendy have not heard of local people who are having problems from these cats. Last point from me, how many cats in total do you think you have seen in, across the different sightings you've had? There's definitely more than two. Okay. And there's, because it, there's got to be a, a mum and there's, because I saw the little one, there's got to be a mum and a dad. Yeah. So that's three that there's definitely out here. Yeah. You know, so whether it's got brothers and sisters. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And of course, when you saw them after your first sighting, it could have been the mother again or the smaller one grown up a bit. Yeah, it could quite well have been. Yeah. Fine. Angela, I think we better let you go back into the warmth now. I'm very grateful for you coming on and adding to the perspectives we're getting from Lincolnshire. And it's nice to visit Lincolnshire on the podcast. And I hope you get to hear it. I hope you get your signals and landline and Wi-Fi sorted out soon. And, uh, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> yeah, so, so great. Angela, really grateful for you coming on. Thank you ever so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. OK, before we sign off from Lincolnshire, just a reminder that Wendy, our first guest, runs a Facebook group with the notable title Big Cat Believers Only, with the only in capitals. So she would welcome anyone who wants to discuss the issues there and join her Facebook group. We'll put a link to that under the references and links part of the Big Cat Conversations website under episode 13. 
For those of you who listen to the show on schedule, the next episode follows just after Christmas. It will be an addition from Cumbria, and we'll be talking to a well-known sculptor about his two big cat encounters and how they have influenced him and some of the sculptures he's produced. I've just mentioned Christmas, and this is the last episode before Christmas if you're listening to the show on schedule, so I want to wish everyone, wherever you are in the world, best wishes for Yuletide, a happy Christmas, and I hope you have a good winter break, everyone. And a big thanks to all of you for supporting the show in its first few months. Hope to see you back for our next episode. Thanks for listening and take care.